I questioned my entire marriage that day. I in question I questioned my life. I questioned my everything. But then you're dealing with your two children, the other woman, police officers, and wherever there's police officers and somebody who's died, there's always a crowd. Welcome to the shame game. Shame thrives in secrecy, but loses all its power when we bring it to light. This show is all about embracing vulnerability and finding connection through our shared experiences of shame. In each episode, we'll talk with a new guest where we'll dive into their stories and experiences and learn how to break free from shame and love ourselves just that little bit more. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to play the shame game. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited about today's episode of The Shame Game. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the shame of infidelity in a 35-year-old marriage where everything is seemingly perfect and then one day that all changes. And the person that we'll be speaking about that is Michelle Shaw. This actually happened to Michelle. So welcome, Michelle. So beautiful to have you you on the show today. Thank you for your courage in coming on today to talk about something so personal. I really do appreciate it. But, you know, there are so many people out there that have experienced what you've experienced. And we're going to ta- we're going to go through the whole story in terms of what life was like before um what actually happened when you found out that your husband of 35 years um was in a relationship with another woman for 3 years and then the growth and the insights on the other side but let's just go right back in time now and if you can take us through what was life like as a married couple in your family and my family, you know, I I felt that our relationship was very healthy. It was very good. We had the quote unquote normal family. Um, we had two girls, amazing girls. Um, and we had, you know, I was working, he was working, get up in the morning, go to do that, come home, have dinner. You know, we had the soccer practices, we had the after school activities, we had, you know, we had Bible studies in our home, couples, Bible study, marriage, Bible studies. Um, we prayed in the morning before he went to work. Um, everything seemed very normal. Very like like the textbook marriage, Beautiful. and I was very happy. I mean, the, even the, the 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 kids came to our house to hang out. This was the this was the hub of the kids in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? So it was just that type of environment. Yeah, it just seems like that where everything is the way it's supposed to be according to what you thought it would be. And um, it was, like you said, the hub of other people getting together and, 
you produce that kind of feeling and that kind of community. Michelle, if you can tell me what, talk about the day where all of that suddenly came crashing down. What actually happened? Well, he was out of town. He was on a business trip and I went to work and I got to the office and I was taking my stuff out of the car and a woman approached me and um, she walked up to my car and said, Michelle, can I talk with you? And I looked at her and I really didn't recognize her. Um, and I was like, okay. But I mean, I'm a massage therapist. I've been a massage therapist for a long time. I know many, many people. Um, and so I was curious as to what she wanted. So I stopped there and I just was talking to her and she was asking me questions about my husband. And I didn't exactly know where her questioning was leading to, but she was basically asking me almost questions of, is he out of town? You know, are you guys married? Uh, are you having issues in your marriage? And then she started asking me questions about my daughters. And that's where I was like, what is it that you actually want? What are you after here? And that's when she told me that she had been having a relationship with him. And I was like, for how long? And she said for three years. And it, it in that moment, it's almost like your brain goes into this hyper it, it I didn't even I didn't know what to think. Mm. I knew I needed to go to work. I was right there and it was all glass so anybody who was in the office would be able to see me. There's cars everywhere. The parking lot is full. And so I was trying to monitor my actions. One moment I wanted to hit her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the next moment I was like, you need to get in your car and you need to leave and you need to never speak to him again. Mm -hmm. And then... Well, that's that's incredible that you describe that. Like all the, you had all these things going on for you. It was like people are watching. That's one thing, and so you were conscious of that. Um, you were conscious of your anger. Like yeah, you wanted to lash out and hit her, and you, in your right mind, which is incredible that you had the presence of mind to say this. You actually said to her to leave. So you know you were able to center yourself and give her those instructions, and then what? What happened? What did you do? I went into the office and I just told them that I wasn't going to be able to work, and they they knew that something had happened because everybody was very aware that I had a conversation with her. So people just get- looking outside the window, like how does that work? So they're just like, how do you know that they were looking outside the window at you? Because it is a window, like when you walked into my office, you could see out, but you couldn't see in. And the front door is right there. So the reception, waiting room, everything is right there. Okay. So me being outside, they can, we can see all the cars, all the people, all the interactions of people. 
you could see out, but you couldn't see in. Okay. And how were you feeling, Michelle, at this time? You know what? I was just going to tell you, I'm noticing it in my body right now. Mm -hmm. My body is starting to shake just mm -hmm. by the memory and the thought mm -hmm. of that day. And that's exactly what happened. And everybody in the office was like, okay, tell me what's going on. And I just told them. I was like, that woman just said that she's been having an affair with my husband. And I was incontrollably shaking. And it's crazy because I'm feeling it in my body right now. Yeah, yeah. As, <laughs> as you're talking, like I have got goosebumps like all over me. So it's like I can feel the energy of this as well. Like what a huge, huge scene, you know, where basically your world has imploded in that imploded. one second. And what's the next thing that you did? You know, it's really, it's crazy. I I had the wherewithal to, to gather my thoughts. And I was just like, God, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what direction to go. And I remember coming home and I don't know if this is, if this is part of the fight, flight, freeze, I have no idea, but I went home and before I called him, I had the house completely clean. I don't know why I did that. I don't know. I really don't know why that happened. I just remember that I went home and I cleaned and I cleaned and I thought, mm. and I thought, and I'm like, how are you going to handle this? It feels like when you were cleaning, this is what I'm getting from this, that when you were cleaning, it was like the known, like that's the known, that's, that's, that you know how to clean and you know what's going to happen when you wipe that bench, like it's going to be clean at the end, like you know that this is your action and this is what's going to happen, it's like it feels yeah. very safe, so it was almost like grounding you, grounding you and helping you just cope with the situation. And go on. Then I knew I didn't want my children to find out. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I knew that I needed to protect them. And he was probably three hours away. He was at a convention. Um, and so after I got done, I called him and I said, you need to come home. And he was like, why? What's going on? I said, you need to come home. And he kept saying, what's going on? I said, well, I know. I know about her. She just showed up at my office and he knew. Mm -hmm. And so try he tried to deny it or anything like that. No, mm -hmm. no, he didn't. He couldn't. He could not. So when he. Um, I told him to call me when he was about to be in. Our close to our home. I said, call me before you get into town. And I met him at a park because, again, I didn't want the girls to walk into anything. Mm -hmm. And so I met him at a park. And it was just, a, it was, I, I just unleashed on him. I just, I told him, I said, I know. And the, the words that came out of my mouth are not words that I use. And um, I got her on the phone. 
and I, I don't know, it was just the, it's the weirdest, it was the weirdest moment. And I told him to tell her that it wasn't going to be. And I told him to tell her, you know, it's over. Don't call, don't text, don't write, don't show up at my house. Don't do this. Don't do that. And, uh, try to pick up the pieces from there. Mm -hmm. And I can only just imagine the turmoil that was going on for you at that time. And so even though you had told him to say these things to her, I'm guessing that you must have still been fearful that he would continue the relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He worked an hour and a half away. And so after, you know, like I think any woman would do or anyone in this type of a relationship or situation would do, you know, your mind starts putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, um, I started every day. I was like, you know, well, I remember him doing this. And so he must have been with her. And, and you know, um, he said that. So, you know, I can remember him saying, for instance, him telling me about this person at work. And I remember him saying that he was having issues with her that she's just gone crazy. You know, if she ever calls, she's just crazy, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so for, for weeks, I just kept putting these pieces of the puzzle together as to time frames and dates. And, and it was, I, I want to say that I probably stepped into my own living hell. It was, I couldn't think I couldn't function. I think I took about a whole week off from work because I, I couldn't stop crying and I had to hide it. I had to hide everything. Everything turned into, if I was crying, I was crying in the shower. If I, If I was here outside in the in the living room or the dining room or the kitchen, I had to pretend to be happy. Mm. Um, and so, Michelle, tell me about, you know, you mentioned before we started this interview, you said, oh, but I had the shame. Tell me about you holding the shame of this action that your husband did. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, I held the shame, number one, because I have always been proud of my marriage. I was always proud to be um, that Proverbs 31 woman, that Proverbs 31 wife, um, to be the mom of successful children to have a house that was you know kept that you know everything was to me everything was beautiful and so to hold the shame meant nobody else could know this the the hard part was that everybody at my office knew 
And it was very difficult to go to work and to function in, I don't know if you've ever worked in an office amongst other people, but you knew that people were talking. Mm -hmm. You knew you could go around the corner and everybody would be like quiet, you know? And it was, it was, it was hard to go to work knowing that they knew. And so in every other area of my life, it was a secret. It was kept quiet. And there was a point where I thought I was going to lose my mind. Mm. And I told him, I was like, we've got to go to counseling or something. I'm not going to, I don't know what else to do. I'm either going to have to be put on medicine or do something because this isn't, it's not working anymore. So how did you feel that this situation reflected on you? How did you feel? Because for you to have shame about something that your husband has done, not something that you have actually done, how did you internalise that? And what what did you, because shame is all about, what we make it mean about us. What does this mean? So my husband's gone and had an affair for three years. What does this mean about who I am? And what were you coming up with? The shame that I had, ooh, this is going to be hard. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Sure am. <laughs> you like it, don't you? Um, oh, the, not that I like it. It's just that <laughs> I like being real, you know? That's what I like. I like authenticity. I like reality. I like us not covering ourselves up just so that it can sound good and look good. I like yes. us just being real as to who we really are. So, yeah, I'm ready. So, prior to this happening, I think I had mentioned to you that I had had some health issues, right? So for me, uh, I, it was never diagnosed or anything like that, but for me, intercourse was incredibly painful. So we couldn't have that. So we had to do everything else. Mm -hmm. If that, okay. I had had surgeries. I had had injections. I had gone through so much physically. Mm -hmm. I was also at one point over close to 300 pounds. And so I had lost a lot of weight and my body just didn't look to me as beautiful. So when this happened, when this affair happened, I took it on as it was about me, that I could not provide as a woman, that I could not, that I was not beautiful enough, that I was not desirable enough and that he had to seek it from some some from somewhere else in order to fulfill whatever need he had mm -hmm. that's where the deepest shame is okay thank you for being you know vulnerable and sharing that in this moment that's that's really big big deal and I am grateful for that that you opened yourself in this way and so then you went to counseling and, and what happened after then? After we went to counseling, it, um, it seemed as though things were getting better. And 
we really did try to put back the pieces. But after a certain amount of time, I realized that my husband had way more things going on than um, just that one thing. Um, he's, he was also drinking quite heavily. And I do believe that that was the guilt and the shame for him. And that led to a porn addiction. So to me, that for my own mind solidified the thing that I wasn't enough, mm -hmm. that I wasn't, I just wasn't enough in any area of life. I wasn't enough for him. And that I had no idea how long that went on. But you know how, you know how on the Facebook, there's always this line of people that you know, or you mm -hmm. may know, you mm -hmm. know, you may know because they're friends with, you know, so you may want to be their friend. And it was always women that were very uh, suggestively dressed, very young, very suggestively dressed. And so after a while, my daughters caught on to that. And they were like, mom, are you, are you aware that this is happening? And I was like, well, yeah, but I really am not sure exactly what is happening. And they're like, mom, I think that there's something else going on. And it was my daughters that realized and found out through the, the computer that he was having another affair. Mm -hmm. So it was alcohol, porn, and affairs. For probably about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then I'm guessing there was a catalyst moment for you where life took a different direction. Yeah, my husband, I do believe that my husband ended up drinking himself into an alcohol psychosis type of a state. And he, he came home one night and I ended up having to call his parents for help. And his dad came and picked him up and took him to their house. And when he took him to work the next day, that was the last time that I saw my husband. He was missing for a week. And we didn't know where he was. And we didn't know how to find him. And my daughters, being incredibly smart and intelligent, they were able to find him from a ping on his cell phone. And he was at that woman's house. The original and, woman's house. No, this is this this is a new, another woman. Okay, this is another woman's house. Yes, this is another woman, and and um, it wasn't in a good area of town, and so my husband just spiraled. He had just spiraled all the way down, but in that week of us not knowing where he was, we were having to call the police to do a. It's called a wellness check. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that very next day, uh, my husband passed away, which was May 20th of 21 in her home. Wow. And uh, what happened with you then, Michelle? That day was, I questioned, I'm going to get emotional. Mm -hmm. I questioned my entire marriage that day. I questioned, I questioned my life. I questioned my everything. It was a very, very rough day because so when I told you that my daughters had found the ping of his phone, we knew where he was. We found where he was and we went there. And when um, my daughter made it there, when he was being put into the, um, the, the body bag and I made it 30 minutes after that, or maybe 10, 15 minutes after that. I don't even remember, but, but then you're dealing with your two children, the other woman, police officers, and all the people, you know, wherever there's police officers and, um, you know, somebody who's died, there's always a crowd. So, I don't know, it was just, It was a very rough day, very, very rough day. And, you know, looking back now in terms of everything that you've experienced and everything that you've been through and everything that you've grown through, what, what do you now know about yourself that I'm stronger than I ever believed that I could have been. Mm. I always, from the time that I was a little girl, all I ever wanted to be was a wife and a mother. And I thought I had it down to T. And I thought that I couldn't make it without a man. That I needed a man for financial support, for security, for safety. Um, and what I have found in is two years now. Um, I'm pretty damn strong. Mm. I make my own money. I have my own business. I'm on my own. And I haven't lost a thing. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, that feeling and that knowing that, wow, I am a strong person. I can do this on my own. I just so underestimated who I am. 
So I'd like you to do a little exercise, Michelle. Um, how about you close your eyes for a moment? Take a nice big breath as you are naturally doing and just imagine oh, almost like your subconscious mind is floating out of your body and it's travelling back in time to that scene in the car park where you were confronted by that lady who basically showed you the truth of where you were at and where your world imploded in an instant. And as you look at your former self with your older eyes, your wiser eyes, as if she's standing in front of you right now, what can you tell her? In my wise eyes today, I honestly I don't know. That is incredibly difficult to What does she need to hear in that moment without going and thinking about it? What does she just need to hear from you? I, I think that she probably needed to hear. Forgiveness. Maybe. So I close, your, close your eyes and tell her. Tell her. Close your eyes and tell her what she needs to hear. I believe that you believed lies and I know that there were, there was dishonesty. And I believe that you made choices and decisions based on dishonesty. What and I believe that. What does she need to know about who she is at her core? Oh, at her core. At her core, I believe that she felt as though she was not enough and that she needed a man to fulfill that as well. So now tell her the truth. That she does not need a man to fulfill whatever she's lacking in her life. So tell her, tell her, Michelle, you don't need say it. You do not need a man to succeed in this world, and you do not need to seek out another woman's husband in order to fulfill your life. Mm. And that by being with another woman's husband, you will never ever achieve everything that you want because it is untrue. Thank you. Mm. 
Are you ready? So how does that feel? I wish I would have had that opportunity. Maybe if you had that opportunity, you wouldn't have had the growth. So maybe if you saw everything right from the beginning, you wouldn't have had the growth opportunity that you've since realised by having that pain and having that trauma and maybe you needed to see all that in order to be where you are today. In, in, the, in the process of healing, you know, one of the things that I know is that forgiveness is key and forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person forgiveness is about myself and letting go and um i want to say it was about uh six seven months ago now in that process i actually did go to that where he died i went to her home and I knocked on her door with some friends, by the way. I didn't go by myself. Um, and in that process of planning it and telling my friends what I was doing, it's like, I need to release this. And every time I drive by this house and I see that car, there's this horrible feeling. And I kept going there was events that were happening in that vicinity of that house. Like I went to a funeral right across the street. Mm. I went to a concert right at a church that was right next to her house. And I was just like, why are you taking me here? God, why do you keep making me? And it's, this is way out of my way. And so forgiveness was right there. Forgiveness was on my brain the whole time. And so I asked a couple of my friends to go over there. And when I knocked on the door and she answered the door, her face was very, as you can only imagine, kind of like what you just did. Mm. Like, why are you here? Yeah. And uh, I was like, can I talk with you? And she actually allowed us to come in the house. And what I realized in that moment was, He was telling her lies. He was telling her things that was untrue. And she was no different than the other woman. She was wanting the same exact thing. She lived in a one-room shack. She was, she was poor, but she wanted the same exact thing. Mm. She wanted a man that was going to take care of her, that was going to support her, love her, whatever. And I realized in that moment that not that what she did was okay, because she knew about me, but that she also believed lies that the other woman did too. And so many other women do. So many other women. And I think that that's why I wanted to do this because I'm not, I'm not alone in this. Mm. I'm the statistics are so high 
And I don't ever want anyone to think that number one, just because a marriage looks good on the outside doesn't mean that they have it all together on the inside. And no woman should ever seek out relationships with married men ever ever i would even take it one step further um for women not to seek relationships with men as a solution to their happiness that's a good one yeah whether they're married or not right because if you're looking for, because what I'm hearing from your story is you you felt like you needed this man to complete you, you needed this man to be happy, you needed this man in order to have financial stability, you need needed as yes. opposed to where you are now, which is a financially independent woman with her own business who helps other people who are experiencing these same issues. Exactly. And and so you don't, and you now know that's not true, and that's the story that we're conditioned to believe and that we yes. don't need other people to complete us. We don't need a partner to, to help us um, be happy. The, you know, the relationship that I'm in with, with my um, partner is, you know, we both weren't looking for for a relationship when we met each other, we were both very happy in our own lives and very happy with the work that we were doing and very happy with everything. And then we just happened to meet and it was just like, wow, now this is a bonus. You know, at no point did I believe that I needed him to be happy and yeah. same with him for me. And so that way we're walking together. We're not codependent. And so what you're talking about is this, codependency that people yes. get themselves in and so Michelle I want to thank you for sharing your story and for being so vulnerable in this episode of the shame game and now I want to ask you a question that I ask all my guests as the very last question this podcast is called the shame game and it's all about sharing our shame why is it important to share your shame I believe that it is probably the biggest step in the healing process because we always think that we're alone in it and to not to not speak about it is is holding on to toxicity and what I have found in my in my my career my vocation is that when we share our shame and we share our pain, not only do I heal, but I also open up a door and allow somebody else to heal through my pain. I believe that what I went through, and this is what's so beautiful about what I do, is that every single thing, every single thing I've gone through Somebody has sat in the chair across from me and has gone through the same exact thing. And it has brought this link of compassion, caring, understanding, love, 
into that healing process, not just for me, but for that other person as well. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much. And for those of you who want to connect in with Michelle, um, Michelle does help other people who have been through what she has gone through. We're going to put all the links down below and uh, you can connect with Michelle um, if you resonate with her story and her teachings and her insights. Thank you so much, Michelle, for today. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to The Shame Game. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And we would so love it if you also share it with your friends. Until next time, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We're all in this together and we are all worthy of love and belonging. And also, remember this, you are not your shame.